My name is Brent. Who am I? I'm the one that's gonna tell you what'll happen when the Morphomania runs wild all over you, brother! podcast where jenna and myself read and discuss every animorphs book in order except whoa record scratch that's not what we're doing this week uh this week is alternative number three because we're reading the second uh alternomorphs book the choose your own adventure style we had to get this in under the wire because once we read the last book my emotional investment to the series will collapse like the car at the end of the blues brothers <laughs> wow don't don't sugarcoat it buddy I, I didn't, and I never will. Not for you, Brent. <laughs> That's fair. Not for our, not for our gentle listeners. Mm-mm. So we're going to do this the same way we did the last one, where one of us reads, uh, and then whoever isn't reading makes the choice. Jenna, I didn't ask, do you want to do the thing we did last time, where whoever is not reading does the voices for the characters that aren't the main one? I don't want to do Rachel's Hulkamania voice, so the answer to that question is yes. All right, I think this may end up with you doing Rachel's uh, Macho Man Hulkamania voice at some point. Uh, oh, you want to switch off? I just assumed you would always do Rachel. Well, all right, I can I can take Rachel under my wing. Deal. I'll take her out from under Tobias's wing. <laughs> all right, uh, I'll go ahead and start with chapter one. The new kid, you know the part, played it half a dozen times. Your first day at a new school, the kids give you curious glances. A few say hi, most don't. A concerned teacher assigns some suck-up to show you around, help you find the cafeteria and the bathrooms. The only kids paying attention to you are the ones you wish would leave you alone. Losers. Two friendly types. The normal ones are too busy with their lives to worry about some new kid. I already don't like this narrator. Wow, uh, you're three paragraphs in. You know, give it a second. Lunch. You eat it alone at the corner of some cafeteria table. You can't wait to get out of there. To get off somewhere by yourself and blow off some steam. The final bell is salvation. You head out on foot, exploring your new town. Not so different from the last one. Dunkin' Donuts, Burger King, Walmart, Home Depot, a mall with the usual product placement stuff inside. God, Mrs. Fields, The Gap, wow. Express. This is really great. You don't want to go in there. Don't want to face another crowd of strange faces. Instead, you dodge traffic and head into an abandoned construction site. On the on one end, a highway. Bands of trees on either side. On the far end, a broad field, a deserted place, a ghost town, a great place to be alone. Are you sure that you are really wanting to stand up for this weirdo? I, I, I'm sorry. I know you were super cool and popular in high school, Brent. So far be it for me to uh, identify with a, a loner who doesn't like malls. Ah, uh, yes. My hobbies include being alone in a field. Couldn't all be jocks like you, Brent. You kick around for ten minutes. Exploring, checking out the big piles of rusted steel beams, pyramids of concrete pipes, deep pits filled with black, muddy water, a pile of gravel, rocks the size of a Reese's cup. This is pretty bad. Is that an Imperial Reese's cup or a metric Reese's cup, do you think? This is so much unnecessary detail. You pick one up and let fly. Thwonk! The rock hits the concrete block with a satisfying noise. After a couple dozen throws, your aim even starts to improve. Thwonk! 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 You land three rocks in a row right in the same spot in the concrete. When the third hits, the concrete crumbles. Weird. That stuff is usually pretty strong. Whatever. Time to head home. Dinner with mom and dad. Homework. 
Then the same grind tomorrow. Maybe some, tomorrow someone will talk to you. You're heading out. That's it's really depressing. <laughs> You're heading out of the lot when you see it. A small box nestled down inside the concrete block that fell apart. Holy shit. Is the narrator of this book David? Are we David? I have a feeling yes. Goodness. Yeah, which kind of makes what you said earlier. Kind of undermining the points that you've made this entire podcast. But go on. I think we admitted that you were right all along anyway. Was I? I can't remember which one of us was right. Only K.A. knows. Anyway, please, please keep reading, Brent. A small box nestled down inside the concrete block that fell apart. Sky blue. Very plain. Small. Maybe five inches to each side. Something about it draws you closer. You glance over your shoulder before you yank it out of the block. The box feels heavy for its size. You feel something when you pick it up. Something like an electric charge, only it's not painful. You hold the thing up to the fading light. There's writing on it. Not English or any language you recognize. Maybe it's Greek or Egyptian. You slip the box into your book bag. The thing looks valuable. You wonder how much you can get for it on the internet. As soon as you get home, before dinner even, you post a few messages. The blue box is available to the highest bidder. So yeah, definitely David. Yeah. Chapter 2. Day 2 at the new school. Some guy named Marco insists on eating lunch with you. Not much better than eating alone. Ouch. Fair, though. (laughs) You can't wait to get home. That morning there was already an answer to the for sale notices you posted on the internet. A guy says he wants to see the box. Says he'll pay you good money. Run away. You wrote him an email. Set the timer on the computer so that he'd get your address right before you got home. Last period. You rush out of the building. Get home early and do your business. One problem. You're in the door about two seconds when you know something is wrong. Your dad is home early. You can hear him talking to someone upstairs, and it doesn't sound good. You take the stairs two at a time, bound into your room. Your dad is standing, feet wide, pointing a service revolver at... something. Something about the size of a retriever with eight stumpy legs, blue and tan fur, a scorpion tail, and two arms. The thing is alive, growing and changing right before your eyes. Whoa, you say. Some kind of alien, your father explains. An alien! No way! Yes way! You freeze, amazed. The voice is coming from inside your head. What's even weirder, it sounds vaguely familiar. Listen to me? The voice continues. Things are about to get way ugly around here. The two of you need to hide. Hide? Why do we have to hide, you demand? Because the alternative is to be dead? Ding dong! The doorbell is ringing. Your father doesn't flinch. He's military trained. He still has the gun on the... the thing. It has stopped growing and changing. Now it resembles a blue and tan deer with a wicked scorpion tail made out of teeth. That tail is definitely a weapon. Idiotically, you're wondering if the door is for you. Could be the buyer for the blue box. Then, blam, blam, your father is shooting. At what? Flap! The alien swings his tail. The gun goes flying. So does one of your father's fingers. Hey, you cry. Ah, your father yells. Crunch! Downstairs, the door explodes and splinters. There is a severe house-shaking pounding as many large feet run up the stairs. Your knees are rubber. Your bowels jelly. You and your father stare as two creatures leap into the room. They have feet like a T-Rex, necks like snakes, large, bird-like beaks, three dagger-like horns protruding out of their foreheads, bent back legs, and very long arms, a curved horn blade on each wrist and elbow, more blades poking out of the knees and off the ends of tails. They remind you of the monsters from where the wild things are. Oh, uh, what, what are they? I told you to hide, says the voice in your head. The wild things are joined by another blue deer alien. Something about him sends a chill up your spine. Somehow, you know he is dangerous. Get out of here, you yell. Get out of here, the blue deer alien says. Why, you've hurt my feelings. I just received your primitive transmission and I rushed right over. 
You you want to buy the blue box? You stammer. Oh, yes, definitely, the alien says. I do, I do, and I'm willing to pay anything. Let's see, what could I offer you for the box? I know, he whips his tail and presses the blade against your father's throat. I'll pay you with your father's life! You're not getting the box, says the other blue deer alien. You're confused. You just assumed all of the blue deer aliens were working together. Then this human will be separated from his head! I understand, that's usually fatal in humans! Sudden movement. Your father jerks his head back, away from the alien's tail blade. You run straight at the alien, yelling, Let him go! Fwap, fwap! The two deer aliens are fighting with their tails. The wild things move forward. Blades flash. Your posters fly, your curtains tear, your books scatter. Blam, blam, blam. A lot of foley in this book. <laughs> You're doing great. <laughs> your father is in the corner, firing his gun with his left hand. He usually can't even hold a fork in that hand. But three circles appear in a wild thing's chest. Down he goes. Then, a throaty roar. You turn to look. An enormous grizzly bear is coming through your bedroom door, and behind the bear is a huge orange and black tiger. You're crying and laughing all at once. This is insane. You wonder if you're going nuts. Suddenly you gag, heave. You're going to be sick. Maybe it's fear, but you're definitely freaking out. You turn your back on the wild, insane violence and run for the toilet. You're just kneeling down on the tile when CRASH! One of the wild things comes through the wall like a load of bricks. He leaps up, shakes himself off, and hops through the wall to rejoin the fight. Forget throwing up. Time to listen to the voice in your head and hide. You climb into the bathtub and cower. The wall between the bathroom and bedroom is reduced to smashed two-by-fours and torn sheetrock. You can see glimpses of the battle raging in your bedroom. Your father crawls in. He wedges himself between the tub and the toilet. He follows the action in the next room, wildly pointing his gun here, there. One of the deer aliens begins to change. His skin and fur turn purple. His shoulders bulk out. Two legs shrivel and disappear. The others grow bigger and stronger. Four arms sprout, two from each shoulder. The arms are wrinkly down in the place where the hands should be, and instead of hands, there are bony red points. Whoop! The wrinkled skin at the bottom of the arm zooms right out like a rocket. The cone hits the remaining deer alien and knocks him to his knees. Instantly, the cone hand retracts and wrinkles up, ready to fire again. Chris. Now let's make this simple, comes a commanding voice in your head. I want the blue box! I will have the blue box! Or all of you will die! You scramble to your feet. The box is in your backpack. Fine, you shout. I'll give you the box. Just leave us alone. No, another voice in your head. You have no idea where the voice is coming from, but you know this message is meant for you. Listen to me, the new voice says urgently. I'm on your side. We can get you out of here alive, but whatever you do, don't give up that box. Jenna, what do you do? If you turn over the box, go to chapter four. If you refuse, go to chapter five. Gosh, this is such a tricky one, do I? Turn the box over to Visor 3 or to the Animorphs. Now, does this book assume I've never read an Animorph book before? Because this is the worst possible choice they could give somebody who knows these books. It does seem from the extended introduction uh, that it does assume you have never read these before. Oh, what a weird choice. Right? Well, I refuse to give up the box, so let's let's head on down to chapter 5. Chapter 5. No, you just say defiantly. The box is mine. Attack! Says an awful, commanding voice in your head. No, wait! You say, but it's too late. The terrible purple nightmare monsters, the wild things, the deer alien, the bear, the tiger, are all focusing on you. Oh my. <laughs> you back against the tile wall, getting as far from them as possible. The grizzly moves first, it bellows, lowers its head, lands on all fours, and runs straight at you, like a runaway train. Behind the grizzly, like heat-seeking missiles, come two massive cone hands. They're headed straight for you. 
You close your eyes, but you can't close your ears. Whoop, whoop, wham, crunch. You open your eyes. (laughs) You can't close your ears. You open your eyes. The cone hands missed. Yes. Then, whoop, the mountain of bear sweeps you up and shoves you through the shattered plaster and glass for one stunned second. You're flying. You can see the evening sky, a tree branch. You windmill your arms. Then, wham, the air explodes out of your lungs as you hit the ground. Your spine crunches. Teeth slam together. You fall backwards and your head hits the ground. Whoop, blackness. You wake up amidst the smell of hay, medicine, and animal poop. You're surrounded. Mm. It's my favorite Yankee candle. Kids surround you in a circle. Solemn, tired-looking kids. One of them looks familiar. You're Marco, you say with a little laugh. We had lunch together today. Marco nods and gives you a little wave. The others introduce themselves. Jake, Cassie, Rachel, Axe. No Tobias, I guess. (laughs) They explain about the Yerks, about the evasion. You learn some vocabulary. The wild things are called Hork-Bajir. The deer aliens are Andalites. What about my mom and dad, you ask? Marco walks over and stands right in front of you. Your parents have been taken to a secret underground facility called the Yerk Pool. Picture a sludgy cesspool of a pond the color of molten lead. Hork-Bajir warriors will drag your parents out to the end of a pier. They will... Marco! Cassie says angrily. They will drag them out to the end of that pier, and then they'll kick their legs out from under them and force their heads down into the sludge. You stare as Marco drones on. His words words stab you in the gut. You don't absorb it all, but you understand your parents are slaves. Slaves of the saddest sort. What? An intense anger hits you. A desire to strike back, to send these yurks back to wherever they came from. You want to save your parents. You have to. It's too late to help your parents, Jake says quietly. And as of now, you have no home and you can't go back to school. You do, and the Yerks will find you. And it'll be you taking that long walk down the steel pier. Your mind can't grasp it. You try to argue to convince yourself it's just a trick. But they prove it to you. Axe, a disturbingly pretty boy, turns into an even more disturbing looking alien. What you now know is an Andalite. There's one nice thing about all this, Cassie says. There's a compensation for all the danger and all the fear. Any animal you can touch, you can become. A dolphin, a skunk, a wolf. An elephant or a grizzly bear, brother! Rachel says. A gorilla, a shark! Marco says. A tiger, a fly, a cockroach, Jake says. Any animal, any size, but only for two hours at a time. You can never stay in more for more than two hours. Why, you wonder. And then you meet Tobias. See, there is a Tobias. Yeah, he was around. You just didn't notice him because he was a bird. He was trapped in a red-hailed hawk morph. Now he lives his life as a bird of prey. They give you a few hours to think about it. You take a walk in the woods behind Cassie's farm. You try to think, but your mind refuses to track. Your jaw hurts. Your back aches. You keep thinking about your parents. Unreal. Your whole world shattered, ruined. You feel hopeless as you turn back to the barn. The others are waiting for you. I'm ready, you say. Someone produces the box, your box, the box that destroyed your life. They toss it to the alien. Press your hand to the square nearest to you, he tells you. (laughs) You step forward and press your hand down on the cube. It tingles, you say. You may remove your hand now, the alien says. You do, thinking that the experiment has failed. You don't feel any different. The others are guarded, but they smile and shake your hand. I want to try it, you say. Cassie leads you to a horse stall. Put your hand on on his neck, she tells you. The horse turns and gives you a surprised look. Then he ignores you, going back to eating his hay. His fur feels rough and warm. Focus your mind, Cassie says. See the horse in your imagination. Think about him, what he is, what he represents. 
You close your eyes, concentrate. Now take your hand away, Cassie says softly. You have the horse inside you. Whoa. His DNA is in your blood. You can become him. Try it. This is ridiculous, you think. But you have to be sure. You close your eyes, imagine the horse. Nothing happens. All you feel is a little itching, a distant sensation in your legs. <laughs> nice. Your eyes jolt open. The horse is panicking, rearing up, nicking just a foot away. Nickering? Nickering. Nickering just a foot away. When you look down, you understand why. Your chest, your hands are covered in sleek rowan fur. You can see your hair flowing around your waist, but it doesn't look like your hair. It looks like a horse's mane. Ah! You scream. Watch out, brother! Rachel says. She pulls you out of the stall, away from the panicked horse. You stumble back blindly, mesmerized by the sight of your feet exploding out of your shoes, growing, rounding, turning into hooves. Would that explode out of your shoes? Is that how hooves are shaped? I... This doesn't feel right. Well, I I think shoes just always explode when they're exposed to zero space energy. Oh, that's, that makes a lot of sense. Your body's growing longer, heavier. Whoomp, you fall forward onto all fours. The horse's mind creeps in. It's nervous, frightened, but not as frightened as your own true mind. Cassie leads you out to the pasture. It's gray, raining, but the fresh air quiets the horse's mind. Without thinking, you begin to run. Amazing. You feel strength flowing through your legs, your back. More power than you've ever known. You run until your coat is sleek with sweat and rain, until your slender legs tremble with exhaustion. Your anger over your parents gives you an intense adrenaline rush. That's enough, Cassie yells. Don't let the morph control you. You can't forget your two-hour limit. Suddenly, you have a new fear. How will you ever undo these changes? Will you ever be human again? You walk back into the barn and focus on your own body. You almost cry relief. Changes begin. The others are waiting, watching curiously. Was it as good as snapping into a Slim Jim? Rachel asks. Fun, you admit. Cassie smiles at you. Morphing isn't a game, Jake says darkly. No, you agree. It's a weapon, and I'm ready to fight the Yerks. Chapter 6. The pleasure fades out of Cassie's face. A weapon. Yeah, I guess that's what morphing is for us. A weapon we can share now that we have the blue box, Jake points out. You feel their attention slip, shift, and lock on to this new topic. They debate using the blue box to make an army of animorphs you try to follow, but it's like when your parents talk politics or discuss the stock market. You don't really know enough to have an opinion and nobody asks what you think. Jake, Rachel, Marco, and Cassie do most of the talking. Axe offers an occasional opinion. Tobias is mostly silent. He's in his red-tail hawk form up in the rafters. Even though he doesn't say much, you somehow never forget he's there. You feel left out. The six of them, they're obviously a tight group. You suddenly hope that the others use the blue box again and again. Then you won't be the only outsider. The rain is plinking on the barn roof, and the animals are rattling in their cages, and Tobias is preeming, and Rachel's voice is rising as she argues a point, and Marco is rolling his eyes at her when it all stops. All of it. Every sound. Silence. The rain's silent. The animorphs in their debating poses, frozen. The barn full of animals stopped dead, frozen, still motionless. More synonyms for the same thing over and over again. Everything and everyone. Except for you. You look up at Tobias. He has one talon off the rafter, wings half open for stability, frozen in an impossible pose. 
Slowly, cautiously, you move to the door. Raindrops hover in the air. You're frightened, amazed. It's as if the whole world were a video and someone hit the pause button. Do you understand what's happening? Or should I read more sentences that really underline this very simple concept? I almost have it, but is there any way that you could describe it three or four different ways that say the same thing? Yeah, absolutely. You feel small and powerless and terribly alone, somehow forgotten. You have an overwhelming desire to stand still, to blend in with the frozen world. A raccoon stands up on its hind legs. You jump about two feet, especially when the raccoon walks through its wire cage. Simply passes through the bars like their air. The raccoon lumbers to you and puts one black and white paw on your knee. He looks into your eyes and says, I am the Alibist. Oh, are, are you an alien? you ask? <laughs> In a matter of speaking. Okay, did you stop uh, everything? Yes. How? From your perspective, I am an all-powerful being. Human perspective, however, is extremely limited. You stop the rain? Yes. You stop the rain again? Yes. Falling on, on my head like a memory? Yes. You relax a hair. Almost. This, uh, illimus, whatever it is, doesn't seem to mean you any harm. Why, you ask? Because you've angered me! You feel a chill crawl through your body as the sunlight blinks out. You are in total darkness, floating in a featureless void, no up, no down, and the Illumist voice comes from everywhere at once, and from nowhere. Wait, is this still the Illumist? Oh, I thought this was Krayak. I also thought this was Krayak, because there's a, definitely a font shift here. Uh, I- I'm sorry, you stutter. What, uh, what did I do? You have altered the strands of space-time! But I don't even know what space-time is, you protest. Then, you see it. It blinks on like a ride in a carnival. Threads, hundreds, thousands of them, and all the brilliant colors of the spectrum running in every direction around you. Threads streaking off into the distance, curling back inside themselves, disappearing, reappearing, twisting, raveling, and braiding. All those things that threads do. Popping and locking. Yeah, unwinding, rewinding. The a worm. chaos of complication. And they're all changing all of the time, moving, growing brighter or dimmer. You can't make sense of it. No matter, it is beautiful. Is something bad going to happen to me because of this, you ask? That depends. Depends on what? Your worth. You will take a test to measure your worth. Uh, what kind of test, you ask, trying to sound strong? Do well, and I will save your family from the Yurks. Do poorly, and you will die. Hey, this is bullshit, you say. What kind of, <laughs> what kind of test, you ask again? Threads disappear, the darkness disappears, now you're floating in a plain white void. Choose. You look down and your hand is a remote control with two round buttons. One is marked A, the other is marked B. Okay. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to put a pause on this choose your own adventure book. It's asking us to make a choice here. It's absolutely not telling us what this choice is. How the fuck can we... Like, what the fuck is this, Bren? Press the button marked A and you'll wake up in your bed. No more lies about the actual truth of the universe. Push the button marked B and you'll see how deep the rabbit hole goes. Okay, but counterpoint, if you push button A, go to chapter 7. If you push button B, go to chapter 18. It doesn't give us any information or any way to make this decision. I assume one of the, in fact, I'm just going to go ahead and take a peek rooney and see if one of these kills me. Okay. Uh, chapter 7, okay. And the other one was chapter 18, is that right? Okay, these these do both. Neither of these chapters ends immediately in your death. 
but also how the how how the fuck are we supposed to just choose one this is a bad choose your i didn't know you could do choose your own adventure books this wrong but holy cow hey at least we're getting to choose something other than which morph kills us this time well i i don't want to spoil what i just saw at the end of chapter 7 and 18 so yeah you're right Also, this is your choice, Brent. So how are you, how are you, how? What are you going to choose and how are you deciding and why? I'm going to push the button B because I want to see how deep the rabbit hole goes. Okay, B for Brent. Yes. (laughs) Chapter 18, I will see you there. The white void vanishes. You're in a forest, surrounded by trees and massive shoulder-high ferns. Bright, buttery sunlight filters Mm. through the leaves. (laughs) You jump. A grunting, snuffling sound is coming from behind you. You hear branches being pushed back. Something moving. Something big. What's that? Cassie asks apprehensively. Axe turns in a slow circle, tail blade ready. I'll check it out, Tobias offers. He flaps up through the trees. Crash! Crash! Still behind you, but closer. Nice. Wham! Wham! The ground shakes with the impact tremors. Something is coming. Run! Tobias shouts. You don't have to be told twice. Crash! 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 The earth trembles. You have to fight to stay on your feet, to keep moving forward. (laughs) Right behind you, you glance back. What you see almost makes you pee in your pants. You're being chased by... by a reptile. But it's a reptile out of a Godzilla movie. It's half the length of a football field and the size of a small house. Its jagged teeth glimmer wetly. T-Rex, you mutter in horror? Impossible. Crazy. And only a few feet away. Great. Really good, really good work. If we, cut, if we cut the sound effects from this book, it would be half the length. Yeah, but the remaining half would just be the description of the same thing over and over again. Oh my god, the world's frozen. It's still... Your heart is hammering against your ribcage. Your skin is covered in cold sweat. You're screaming, crying as you flee. Leaves slap your face. Twigs whip your bare arms. The others are ahead. You catch glimpses of them. Crash! Crash! You push hard. Run all out. The T-Rex is gaining. Maybe a foot away now. Is that a a human foot or a T-Rex foot? It's a really important question. Crash! 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 A root catches your foot. You're flying, tumbling, then... Ah! You hit the ground hard. You can't breathe. Can't move. You're frozen from sheer panic. Down comes the T-Rex's head. Hungry eyes lock on your gut. You can feel the heat of breath on your face. It smells rancid. This is the end. You squeeze your eyes closed. Then... Choose your morph! Cockroach! A wolf! The Elemist. What are you doing, you yell? Trying to get me killed? You open your eyes, expecting to be safe, expecting to see the world on pause. (sighs) Inches away from your nose, powerful jaws roar open. You see rows of teeth, a sofa-sized tongue. Ah, you scream. Crunch! The T-Rex chomps its jaws a hair's width from your right ear. You grab your ear with both hands, crying, trembling. Choose! So, so Jenna, choose between Roach and Wolf. Yeah, this is yours. If you choose Roach, go to chapter 19. If you choose Wolf, go to 26. Roach is easier because it's just the next chapter. And that's if, if this is as much effort as the Choose Your Own Adventure people wrote put into writing this, that's how much I'm going to put into reading. So I'm going to do Roach. That's what that mumbling was all about. I really went Soto Voce there. I'm going to choose Roach, Brent. <laughs> all right. 
Chapter 19, it's all you, buddy. You roll, stumble to your feet. What good is a roach morph? What good is any morph now? T-Rex is going to turn you into dinner before you have a chance to morph. Wow, I'm glad I went through all that trouble of choosing roach if it's just going to tell me I shouldn't morph. A massive head comes down again. you so close you can see the pebbly skin look into one dank, dark, damp nostril. You doing all right? Instinctively, you dodge behind a tree. You focus some small part of your brain on the roach. Imagine a small, easily compactable body. Long to become it. The T-Rex screams with rage. Wham! Wham! It's coming around the tree for you. Can't hide. You can't unrun it. You can't morph fast enough. Only one chance. Only one chance. You run straight for the gaping maw. Get splashed by dripping dinosaur saliva. Graze your back on the huge chin. You run through the dinosaur legs as big as massive columns. Under a belly that rises above you like the long, slung, pebbly gray ceiling. The T-Rex can't reach you, can't get its massive head under its legs. It leaps up and spins around, turning almost gracefully, except for the tree it knocks over with its tail. You, As you're running, you start to shrink four feet, three and three quarters, three and a half. <laughs> Keep us going. My God. Three and one Looks, quarter. Three. Looking down at your feet, you see your chest cover with an armor plate of brown cockroach shell. It's disgusting, but at least it means the morph is working. Your fingers melt together. Next time you look, they formed a single, many-jointed bug leg. Bug leg. Sploot! Sploot! Antenna jumping out of your forehead as you run out from under the T-Rex's tail. Your body is growing clumsy as your legs start to thin. Three and a quarter feet! Oh, uh, I spoke too me. soon. <laughs> Jesus God Almighty, Brent. Three and a quarter feet, three feet, two and three quarters, you hunker down, trying to hide beneath the ferns, your waist pinches together, the lower part of your body swells to form a bloated insect abdomen, your skull melts away, your ears and hearing fade, making the roar of the T-Rex sound far away, which is a good thing, because the T-Rex is close, it is patiently sniffing through the ferns, searching for you with its Buick size snout. The roach mine bubbles up, at the same time, the extra legs suddenly pop out of your chest, I'm cool, the roach mine seems to say. The roach is happy under the ferns, calm, collected, then chomp! It has you! Up, up, up you go! A two-foot roach impaled on an even bigger dinosaur tooth, high into the air. Wet, pink, warm. You're in the T-Rex's mouth? Lolling in a pond of spit just under its slab of a tongue. Somehow you manage to keep your concentration to keep morphing. Now you are a foot long, half a foot. Kill me, Brent. You pop free of a massive tooth. You're ripped practically in two, but somehow you're still alive. The T-Rex clamps down, the T-Rex clamps down, but now you're more roach than human, and the space between the dinosaur's teeth and gums seems like a huge pink cavern. Go towards the light, you think. Now the roach mine is starting to panic to protest. You fight for control. You crawl right out over the T-Rex's lip. And out onto its pebbly skin. <laughs> Must tickle. Fuck you. I want everyone to know that was not editorializing. That is in this book. <laughs> yeah, yes. It's really important to me that people know that. The T-Rex gives a massive swing of its huge head and sends you flying. Ah! Down, down, down. You catch a flash of blue, green, brown thunk. You land on your back in the mossy soil, wiggling your legs in the air. You stretch, scramble, stretch, scramble, and flip. That's uh, my recipe for eggs, yes. <laughs> You're right side up and alive and delicious. <laughs> you just add a little cheddar cheese, some salt and pepper. <laughs> Maybe some spinach if you're trying to be healthy. God, I want eggs now, Brent. <laughs> <laughs> K- 
killing a cockroach is hard. Chapter 20. You squish yourself down under a nice piece of moss next to a tree root. The roach body makes itself small, stays perfectly still. T-Rex doesn't know you fell out of its mouth. It is, isn't interested anymore. It's found new prey. Watch out, Marco. Coming up behind you. I don't know who these voices are, so I'm not doing voices for them. From your hiding place, you can't see what's happening to your friends, but you notice their calls and shouts are growing distant. Even the T-Rex's footfalls fade away. You're a bug alone in Dino Land. Now what? Find the others, you think. That means demorphing. Has to. Catching up with them as a roach would take forever. Reluctantly, you concentrate on your body and feel the changes begin. Antenna dissolve the roach's exoskeleton, softens into human skin. Extra legs wilt and slurp up into your chest. And you grow up out of your safe moss hideaway. One more. Zooming up to your own true height. A grinding sound as your bones grow back and join together to form a skeleton. A slush slosh. Slush I was taking a bosh. Kidneys and pancreas and blood vessels spring back. Your heart reappears and immediately begins banging against your ribcage. Now you're a human alone in Dino Land. That's just an update for everybody. <laughs> for Walk. those of you not following the ticker at the bottom yeah, of the screen. You don't understand what's happening. You're a dino now. You're a human now in Dino Land. You walk, then trot, then start to run. You guys, wait up, you shout. Nobody answers. Following the trail isn't difficult. You see these snapping saplings and crushed ferns where the T-Rex pushed through the forest. You can follow the dinosaur's talon prints. There's one every five or six feet. You run until your lungs burn and your side aches. You slow to a walk and trudge along. Your bare feet are bloody and bruised. The sounds of the forest terrify you. Twigs snapping, leaves crunching, something scrambling through the low vegetation. The light under the trees starts to fade. The sky shades from blue to deeper blue to red. The trees around you begin to lose their sharpness. Twilight is coming on. Then night. You have maybe ten minutes of daylight, twenty tops. Do dinosaurs hunt at night? You have no idea. You come out of the woods and into what looks like a big pasture full of tall grass. You see a flickering light off in the distance. You smell something. Smoke. And something else. Meat. You start to run. Jake, Cassie, Marco, Rachel, and Axe fill you in on their adventures while you chew on what turns out to be T-Rex shish kebabs. <laughs> How fun. Here's the deal. Axe killed the T-Rex seconds before he killed Marco. Cassie figured out how to turn the T-Rex hide into food and shoes. Clever girl. Rachel used a couple of twigs to start a fire. After eating a couple chunks of meat, you start to yawn big time. The run through the forest, the constant adrenaline rushes are getting to you. Your eyelids are hard to hold up, so is your head. The others start talking, start discussing the situation. You stretch out on your side next to the fire. You make a pillow out of your hands and close your eyes. Almost immediately, you fade into a dreamless sleep. At first, you're not sure what wakes you up. You stare at the black night. Roll over and blink at the blazing fire. Cassie and Axe are on their feet. Rachel is shaking herself awake. Everyone is staring out into the darkness. What is it? You ask, sitting up. Jake's voice. He's running out of the darkness. Everybody get out of the way, he yells. Stampede! Stampede? Marco demands incredulously. What is this? A cowboy movie? Move! Jake yells. Do you morph roach? Do you run? That's a great question. Uh, Morphine Roach worked for us last time. Yeah. So let's try that again. Okay, go for it. Chapter 21. Morph, 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 you think. 
Morph, 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 morph. You could already hear the dinosaurs coming. Boom, 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 boom. You try to focus your panicky mind on the cockroach. Antennas sprout violently from your head. The changes are beginning. Faster, you think. A sound like rolling thunder, like a train bearing down on you. Boom, boom, boom. You can vaguely make out the herd. Long-necked dinosaurs, big, huge tails, taller than elephants or giraffes, heads on the same level as the treetops. Why are they running, you demand? A T-Rex, Tobias yells, heading this way. Boom, 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 boom. The dinosaurs are closing in, closer, closer. It's hide or get stomped. But you can't hide until you get small. And you aren't getting small. Your body is segmenting. A hard shell forms over your human arms and legs, over your face, but you don't shrink. You're a four-foot-something, half-roach, half-human, and here come the big boys. Here come the big boys. <laughs> Run, Tobias yells. You try and stumble. Your legs are fusing together, turning into a bloated roach abdomen. The thunder grows louder, surrounds you. A whale-sized dino passes you by, blocking out the moon. The herd is all around you. You're trapped. An enormous talon passes right over your head. The dinosaurs are moving around you like water moves around a rock in a stream. All you can do is stand still and tremble. Get small, you tell yourself. Get small! You begin to shrink. You're a dog-sized roach, a cat-sized roach, and then another talon coming down towards your head. Uh-oh. You're a dead roach. That's tragic. Bad choice. We didn't have time to morph. Go back to page 84 and choose again. Or scroll or flip further for chapter 22. Yeah, chapter 22. You run. Boom, 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 boom. Brent, there are so many more booms coming. I don't know if you looked ahead. And don't use all your booms up now, buddy. I'm boomed out. Oh, no. Jake is right in front of you. Axe in front of him. The others are behind you somewhere. I'm glad my legs aren't as short as Marcus, you think. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this book does not like Marco. No kidding. You can hear the dinosaurs closing in. Boom, 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 boom. boom. A sound like rolling thunder. Like a tra- This is exactly this the same shit. This is just shit. the same text they just copied and pasted. Oh my god. Uh, boom, 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 boom. The herd's all around you, etc. You try to run with it, but the long-necked dinosaurs are faster, and they're also fueled by panic. Wham! The ground bounces, stumbling you to your knees. Scream! <laughs> a long-necked dinosaur squeals in panic. A shadow that blots out the moon and stars. Trembling, you turn and look, then... Chomp! Ah! You scream. Darkness. Hot breath. A slimy, rough surface beneath you. Mm. A tongue. Mm. You're in T-Rex's mouth. Gulp. Pressure on all sides, squeezing you down and down some nightmare tunnel. I have been called that before, yeah. (laughs) You're being swallowed. Whole. (laughs) This is the part of the... The book where we bust out our sultry voices because we're reading Vore. Oh, it really is. I'm looking at what's coming. It's, it's really bad. Bigger opening. Yeah. Liquid all around. Water. No. No, too hot to be water. Digestive acid. You're being digested. You're blind. Deaf. Except for a sound of churning and the steady bass drum of a heart beating. You grind up against warm flesh. Up against something that feels like bones. T-Rex's last snack? You're holding your breath. You don't want to breathe in the battery acid T-Rex has in its stomach. What can you do? With a desperate 
burst of energy. You try to claw your way out, but it's hopeless. You can't grab onto the smooth flesh lining the dinosaur's belly. What can you do? The Elemist has given you only one morph. Roach. You begin to morph. Almost immediately, your oxygen-deprived brain calms down. Your thinking grows clearer. Roach bodies can live longer than humans without much air. You're growing smaller. Now the churning of the stomach isn't so painful. You're alive, but for how long? You pass out. Wake up. Pass out. When you wake up the second time, you notice the stomach has stopped churning. Your roach senses can smell fresh air. You force the roach towards the air. Run! Up a tube the size of a water pipe. Run! Out into a cavern lined with sparkling teeth. Run! Across a plain of pink flesh. What the fuck is this book? What the fuck is happening? I don't know, but I'm I'm really regretting not doing the entire show in that voice. <laughs> really regret not leaning into the, the soft, soothing ASMR sex voice. <clears throat> Chapter 23. You begin to demorph. Your human eyesight blinks back on. You can see you're standing next to an enormous corpse. You're still only a few inches high. A dinosaur looks the size of an aircraft carrier. The others notice you. Hey, Cassie says, you're alive. Barely, you say, still more roach than human. We all made it, Jake says, shaking his head. Amazing. Who killed the T-Rex, you ask? I guess I did, Jake says. How? It ate me, Jake says. So I acquired it and started morphine in its throat. Everyone is buzzed with energy and nerves. You decide to keep walking even though it's dark. You trudge through the grass for a few miles. You stop and doze. You get up and trudge some more. Nobody knows where you're going, but somehow walking makes you feel better. Gradually, the sky lightens and the sun comes up. More trudging. And now you're beginning to think that sitting down and never walking again would be a nice plan. Oh man, look, Jake says. I think we're coming up on some kind of big gorge or whatever. You march up to it. A huge canyon. You're on the edge of a valley hundreds of feet deep and miles across. The valley isn't empty. Down there, spread across a mile of valley floor, are glittering, shining buildings. And hovering over them is something that looks like a flying saucer. A flying saucer and dinos? This is getting weird. If you decide to pretend you never saw that city, go to chapter 24. If you decide to investigate, go to chapter 25. Okay, it really seems like only one of these is a reliable way forward in this narrative. The choose-your-own-adventure in this book is how much do you remember Megamorphs number one? Two. Megamorphs number two. I mean, obviously, obviously only one of these moves the story forward. Am I right? Am I crazy for thinking that? Like, pretending that you didn't see this giant glowing plot port is what you do in a and d game when you're pissed at your DM. I have looked ahead, and yes, only one of these choices moves the story forward, but I cannot tell you which. Well, obviously you have to investigate. Like, I'm sorry, that's just obvious it. All right, turn us to chapter 25, Jenna. Uh, we've got to get down there somehow, you say. Investigate. Maybe whoever built that city can help us figure out a way home. Flash! The valley disappears. The prehistoric landscape vanishes. You and the others are sitting in the middle of an empty IMAX theater. You have the best <laughs> seat in the house. Center seat of the center row. Cass, Axe, and Tobias on your right. Marco, Rachel, and Jake on your left. Important details. A tub of buttered popcorn sits in your lap. There's a super size soda in the cup holder marco picks up his cup sips coke you ask marco makes a face tab investigate investigate comes the elemis booming voice find a way these are things humans do well the house lights dim the enormous curved screen in front of you fills with an image a close-up of a nameless primitive man his grubby hands are rubbing two sticks together a lick of flame starts to glow grow Illuminating a face filled with wonder and fear, the scene shifts. You see a dirty, wild-looking woman tip 
tap tapping a piece of flint against a stone to fashion a crude weapon. Again, the scene shifts. You see men and women of all races weaving fabric, forging glittering objects of metal, collecting seeds, planting seeds, making sails and canoes, and setting off to explore waterways. Now the pace of the images picks up. More tool makers. This time fashioning spears, harpoons, and arrows. Wheels! Wheels of a dozen different sizes. Wheels on crude vehicles, on potter's wheels, on lathes. And now the humans you see are starting to look different. More light in their eyes. A keener awareness. You watch them plot the motion of the stars. This is so fucking boring, bread. <laughs> Create the first irrigation systems, stack up crude bricks to build shelters, and then ziggurats, and then pyramids, people wearing tunics and sandals, invent screws, pulleys, levers, pumps, simple engines, water mills, plows, arches, vaults, domes, amphitheaters, aqueducts, tunnels, bridges, lighthouses, roads, and compass. This is just a list of nouns. Now the images are are coming faster. Castles, gunpowder, canyon, maps, clocks, ink, paper, movable type, printing press, and books, telescopes, steam engines. Incredible, Axe whispers. Now the images are spinning so fast, they're just flashes. You see what has to be Benjamin Franklin with his kite, Edison with a bumpy-looking light bulb, then a scrawling city lights up. New York! New York! Dreams of people in hats move down a staircase and onto a herky-jerky train, a subway in London or Boston or Paris. The three cities that exist. Yes, exactly. The three options for subways. (laughs) Delicate suspension bridges, trains... I'm... Fuck it, I can't believe this is still happening, Brent. Delicate suspension bridges, Whoever trains, wrote this, like, waited to the last minute and then had to copy and paste a bunch of shit from Wikipedia? People climbing snow mountain peaks, probing ocean floors, riding into space on rockets, images flash fly blurring into one another, airplanes, elevators, sky... sky did they already say skyscrapers? You know, they didn't. Skyscrapers, cars, computers, plastic, drug, medicine, TV, lasers, robots, vaccines, satellites, the screen goes dark. Theater lights come up. That was cool, Tobias lies. Fuck you, Tobias. (laughs) Very PBS, Marco adds. I'm sorry, I just can't with the voices. What does it mean, you ask? Here. You have passed the test. Fuck you. The theater disappears. The Animorphs disappear. You're in your backseat of your parents' car. Your dad is driving and your mother is in the passenger seat. You're following a big yellow moving track on your way to the new house. I, if this is the end of the book, Brent. Mom, you say in disbelief. You remember everything. The battle in your bedroom, morphing the howlers. The t- howlers? How does he know about the howlers? I think that's if we chose the uh, the other Fucking button. Fucking stupid. The howlers, the T-Rex. You also remember this car ride. It happened a week ago, back before you ever spent a minute in your new school. Your mom turns around and smiles at you. What is it, sweetie? Nothing! You feel like crying. You have to do it all over. Now you don't ever have to go near that construction site. Now you don't ever have to discover the blue box. Unless you want to. Brent, I can't. I'm so. This is the worst yet. <laughs> this, this is the worst one yet. Do we want to go back and do it again and choose the other button? Uh, it's not even a choice, though. It's not even a choose your own. Ad- you're not choosing an adventure. You're just guessing. Yeah, so just what this guessing. is, is this does actually contain two stories like the other one, except it has a, a way too clever for its own good method of interlacing them with each other. I'm just gonna, it's, I mean, it's not, this is miserable. I'm not, I'm just gonna scan the B or the A side. We did the B side. I'm gonna scan the A side. Yeah, the A side is where you find out about the howlers. The howlers, yeah. Uh, you can choose between Andalite, Shark, and Komodo Dragon, or Fly, Hawk, and Hork Vigier. Wow, you get a lot more morphs in this second track. Sorry, I wanted to see how deep the rabbit hole went. It didn't go very deep. No. It was very bad. It was mostly a list of things. It was like two pages of lists of things. 
<laughs> you can't believe. I, I, this, Brent, this might have been the specific alternomorphs that I bought read and then return <laughs> the same day and if it is i don't feel bad anymore borders <laughs> deserves to get sh- shut down for charging humans money for this thing i can't believe this i paid money for a used copy of this in the year of our lord 2019 god brent we are the f- we are the fools uh-huh as yeah. it turns out we are the idiots do you want to do side A, Jenna? No! But are you going to? Do you want to, Brent? Do I want to, or do I feel a responsibility to? Okay, it would be another episode, wouldn't it? It could. I think we should do this one and then offer it as a vote. And if people want to see the second half, we can give it to them. I think that sounds great, actually. If you want to hear the other terrible half of this terrible Choose Your Adventure book read by terrible people doing terrible voices... <laughs> Uh, let us know on the Twitter poll that we will post with this episode. Yeah, the only thing I can offer in either directions is that here's a, a quick selection of the onomatopoeias on the A track. Erg, erg, erg. Erg, 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 So it's up to you. It's up to you, the public. Well, now you've already read the best parts, though. I really did. Let me see if there's any lists of nouns that I can really bust out. I don't see any so far. Although although we know it ends with that same chapter since they mentioned the howlers. What was the purpose of, of framing this with David? I did, yeah, it's a good question. Since since it is undone, it could have been anybody. It did not have to be David. Yeah, it, it could have been the BMX maniac from from the first one. I don't understand what David added to this book full of lists of things. Other than making us feel uncomfortable about having to take that role on. Not that we really did. I mean, it, it was somebody picked up the David pregen uh, and just ran with how they were going to play anyway without <laughs> looking at any of the notes. Man, the Elemist in this is uh, not really up to character either no it's super weird super weird choices on the elemist i'm gonna do do you want to do an outro well that'll do it for this week next week's episode will either be track a from this book or book 54 so i guess don't hold your breath about which it's gonna be i'm pretty certain i know oh that's interesting see i'm hoping people will be so thirsty for the last book of the series that they will allow us to escape the second track of the Alternomorphs, but this will be a really good uh, indicator of whether our fans love us or hate us. <laughs> which, uh, which, which option do you think indicates love and hate? Love is letting us move past this Alternomorphs and leave it in the past where it fucking belongs. <laughs> and hate or possibly schadenfreude or some sort of uh, masochism-based uh, love would be to make us do the a track we are your internet puppets and we will dance to the tune you choose yes thanks to dustin odell for the use of his theme music for our intro and outro uh you can find us on twitter at fandalites you can find our website fandalites.com uh this is pretty much your last chance to email us for the uh after 54 
Z Space Transmissions show uh, if you want to. So send us anything at fandalites at gmail.com. Oh, also, if you have any uh, Andalite Truth fan art, you should probably get that in. Uh, you should also know that Michael Grant retweeted, I think he, he retweeted a link to it. Is that right? He liked a, a, a retweet that had a link to it. So if you already have art on the site, Michael Grant might have seen it. <laughs> for that, for that, I am sorry. <laughs> I feel like this means we won, though. <laughs> I feel like this means everybody lost. Michael <sighs> Grant, most of all. It's a real alien versus predator type situation, but with no torsos. <laughs> well, all right. We look forward to seeing how the Twitter poll shakes out. So see you next time. And until then, remember, nostalgia is a drug. <laughs>